2: Hey, Lulu here. Whether we
3: are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radio Lab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Whether you're listening on the radio, live streaming, or on demand, I'm grateful you're here. On today's show, Ram Sharan joins us. He's one of the stars of the film RRR. And we'll hear my conversation with Marlon James. His novel Black Leopard, Red Wolf was our February Get Lit Book Club pick. And he joined us at the New York Public Library to discuss and take questions from readers. We'll also get to hear some of the performance from musical guest Tiger Paw. So that is the plan today. Let's get this started with De La Soul.
0: Mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my De La
1: clothes or?
3: This was the weekend that music fans had been waiting for. The hip-hop trio De La Soul's full catalog was finally released on streaming platforms and we could sit back and enjoy this.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> this now you my plug one style.
3: Myself and I is from De La Soul's 1989 debut album, Three Feet High and Rising. Yes, 34 years after the Long Island group wowed us all, the music is available. After decades of legal issues surrounding the group's catalog and sample clearances, it's reported the work to clear all the group samples required hundreds of different contacts. But the release also comes as a somber moment in De La Soul's history as one of its members, David Jolicoeur, a.k.a. Trugoy the Dove, passed away last month at the age of 54. He'd been struggling with congestive heart failure for some time. Member Vincent Mason, a.k.a. Maceo, was recently quoted in the New York Times speaking about Dave's death, saying, quote, We fought so hard and so long for it, for him not to be here. It's awkward. It hurts. As the group and fans alike grieve, they also have a chance to celebrate the art Troy helped make happen and De La's contributions to the history of hip-hop, and also bring in a new generation of listeners. So with me in studio to help give us a rundown of some De La Soul history and take your calls, and of course, we'll all listen to some music, is journalist Marcus J. Moore. He's the author of The Butterfly Effect, How Kendrick Lamar Ignited the Soul of Black America, and is now in the process of writing a cultural biography about De La Soul. Thanks for coming to the studio, Marcus.
1: Thanks for having me me i appreciate you
3: listeners did you spend the weekend listening to de la soul what's your favorite song what's your favorite album and why our phone lines are wide open Two one two four three three 433 that three three nine six nine two. or you can reach out on social media at all of it, WNYC. Were you a fan of De La Soul in the late '80s and early '90s when they were coming up? Maybe you knew them from Long Island. That's possible. Saw so them in concert. We want to hear your De La stories. Two one two four three three WNYC. Two one two four three three nine six nine two. Or maybe you want to weigh in on what you think the legacy of De La Soul has been on hip hop. Two one two four three three nine six nine two. Two one two four three three WNYC social media is at all of it WNYC. So Marcus, while we wait for phone calls to come in, um, De La Soul's music is streaming now. After all these legal complications, what was at the heart of the issue on why these earlier albums of De La Soul's just weren't allowed to be streamed?
1: Yeah, so uh, when De La Soul was making their music in the late eighties and up through the mid nineties, they uh, sampling was still relatively new, especially when Three Feet High and Rising came out and when De La Sola's Dead came out, sampling, you know, we all knew that like producers would sample, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of handshake deals, you know, Um, and no one knew really who to like reach out to for this sample or who to, you know, reach out to to clear this thing Mm -hmm. or what have you. And so a lot of times producers would just make these beats and say, okay, well, I'm just going to do it and we'll see what happens. We'll clear it the best way we can. So they did that, and then famously in 1989, uh, they got sued by uh, this uh, 60s rock band called The Turtles for um, a short clip that they included on um, one of their songs, Transmitting Live from Mars, on Three Feet High and Rising, and um, so... They, they go through this legal trouble, which turned out to be like the biggest case of all time, mm-hmm. because at the time, Daylight was the biggest group in the world, the biggest rap group in the world. And so they were almost made an example out of. So all that to say, they, you know, they, they did so much sampling on their music and they um, their beats are such a patchwork collage of mm-hmm. Michael Jackson meets Hall of Notes meets <laughs> uh, Smokey Robinson that for the longest time, um, no one knew who was going to be responsible for, for paying for all those unclear samples. And so as a result, Tommy, Tommy didn't want to foot the bill. Daylight didn't think they should foot the bill. And so the music just kind of sat on the shelf for a, a generation.
3: Tommy being the record company. So for people, so they understand what we're talking about, let's play a little bit of Me, Myself, and I.
4: A mirror on the
3: wall. And then here's the 1979 Funkadelic tune, Not Just Knee Deep. <laughs> so, what was it about that time that no one said, hey, wait a minute, maybe we need to stop and think about clearances? Was well, it just that it was such an, a nascent and new form?
1: That's what it was. It was a nascent and new form. And um, hip hop wasn't seen as like this viable genre that was going to mm. be around for a long time. You know, we're talking in the mid 80s, late 80s. There was a large segment of the musical population that thought that hip hop was just a fad, mm. you know, and so they're like, oh, OK, well, that's cute or whatever. You can go ahead and sample our music. Uh, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. But it wasn't until these rappers started making some serious money that they said, well, oh hold on now, that 14 second clip that you put on that song, I'm going to need... 2004 mm. or whatever so yeah once once they saw that hip hop could be a cash cow so to speak that's when all of a sudden people started going back and they started re-listening to all their music to see like okay is that me on that or those my drums or what have you
3: let's take a call Julia calling in from Greenpoint hey Julia thanks for calling all
2: of it hey oh my gosh okay I thought my mind was blown because this was the weekend that I finally found the album that I had listened to every night with my roommates before we went out back in 2004 at Pratt and I couldn't find it. And I thought it was my bad memory and like couldn't find it anywhere. couldn't remember it. And then there it was on title, finally balloon mind state. And I was like, the world made sense again. And <laughs> maybe it wasn't a coincidence, right? You're saying now these things are available to stream yeah, like more because I looked for years. And so I finally sent even a screenshot To my old roommate, who we haven't spoken in like decades, like this was the album. Maybe it wasn't, you know, driving you crazy, but it was certainly driving me crazy. And just to have it and put it on. Because someone had the CD, so it was like, started with intro. I wasn't going to remember that first song. It was intro. (laughs) So it was like, (laughs)
5: so
2: exciting. Just put it on, go all the way through and feel those feels of like midnight at Pratt, about to go out. Yep, we used to just go out at midnight. and it was like such a feel.
3: Julia, thank you so much for calling in.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't realize,
3: like Julia, she had been looking for it and looking for it. Do you know what was the genesis of of trying to get this music on streaming, like when the real effort started?
1: From my understanding, um, the real effort started around, 2019 because there were a whole lot of you know there were some false starts to mm-hmm. be honest like um, Balloon Mind State showed up on at the time I well in 2018 rather I was working at Bandcamp and Balloon Mind State just kind of shows up on the Tommy Boy page and it's like oh okay well everything all is right in the world <laughs> you know okay here comes Balloon Mind State here comes three feet high but come to find out that um, the deal wasn't done yet and Tommy sort of jumped the gun on mm. that so um It was around 2019, I believe, where there was actually, like, a a public push for De La and their famous friends to Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of call out the old label and say, hey, you know, let these guys, you know, collect their coin or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's been a long process because they had to try to go back and and clear all of those samples. But um, it's here now, you know, and it took about, what, three years for it, so.
3: They were founded in Amityville, Long Island when the members were in high school. How'd they meet? How'd they form? How did De La Soul form?
1: They uh, they were high school classmates. Um, so they were in Amityville. And uh, Dave is a year older than both of them. Um, so it was... So Maceo is originally from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was DJing Brooklyn even at like 15, age of 15. So he, he already was in the music business, so to speak. And at the time, he also knew Paul because he and Paul were working, uh, Prince Paul, were working on another project Um, that didn't end up going anywhere. At the same time, at the school, you have Paz and you have Trugoy who were in this other rap group that also didn't go anywhere. But they took a liking to each other because they had similar styles. You know, they were both sort of unconventional, um, sort of rode the pocket in different ways. And so they form a group and they needed a DJ. And they're like, oh, where, here's this, this guy, Vincent Mason, this guy named Maceo. Okay, yeah, let's form a group. And so they essentially just kind of formed a group off of the love of, like, everything. And I think that's what makes De La Great is, like, you know, when you think about hip-hop at the time, everybody was playing a character, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was sort of larger than life, greatest lyricist of all time. And they sort of formed as, like, these regular guys who like regular things, but were extraordinary DJs and uh, producers and lyricists
3: and they were they were kind of blurred yeah they were black nerds before there were people called them blurred
1: <laughs> exactly and they made it cool so yeah. they, they made it okay to be like okay yeah I love hip-hop but hey I also love jazz records and maybe I skateboard you know mm-hmm. they they made it cool to be a well-rounded black individual at that time
3: let's talk to Eddie from Los Angeles hey Eddie thanks
5: for calling in Hey Alison, how you doing? Thanks for this. Uh, thanks for this piece. It's very timely. I just want to tell a story about. Um, I was I was a write, music writer um, back in '95, um, and it was my first trip out from London to New York. I was living in London at the time, um, and I met Della Soul because we were doing a cover story for a magazine called True, which went on to become Trace Magazine. Um, and I had met the guys. We were doing the shoot in Manhattan, and then we went out and you know we just hung out, kicked it for the day. And it was, they were just really cool. And it was, like you said, just very natural, very down to earth, very chill. We just got on, I especially got on with Paz. Dave was cool, Maze was cool. Then, um, back, in the, um, back in London, like a few months later, and they were about to perform at a, a spot in, um, in West London. And I'm outside the spot, you know, we're waiting, you know, everybody's kind of gathering, there's this MPV out there, smoked out. And I'm standing by there and I hear boom, boom, boom on the window and it rolls down. And his Della Soul inside the back of the van, just waiting to get in the place. And they had remembered me from New York. They were like, yo, what's up? And I was like, holy crap. And so that was just a great, it was just a great moment. And uh, it just uh, speaks to how cool they were. And, you know, I still follow them on social media and in, in interact now and again. Um, so that's cool. That's all I wanted to say. Thank
3: you. Eddie, thanks for calling in with the story. If you have a De La Story you want to share with us, 212-433-WNYC. Are you a fan of De La Soul? Maybe you saw them in concert. Maybe you interacted with them like Eddie did. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. Or hit us up on social media at allofitwnyc. Maybe you want to share what you think the legacy of De La Soul is. My guest is Marcus J. Moore, the journalist. We're talking about the release of De La Soul's full cast Catalog on streaming. It just happened this past Friday. So when you think about, it, I'm going to ask you, and this is a little bit hard to ask, what each member brought to the group. So what did pause? What was Paz's role?
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm a jazz head, right? Okay. So anytime I hear Paz, I hear a jazz vocalist or I hear like a jazz instrumentalist, and I say that because he will he knows how to ride a beat a different sort of way. He finds these different pockets within the beat where he's still on beat but it, it's still kind of kind of off-centered a little bit. Um but he's also bringing these very complex lyrics that quite honestly you're not really going to understand until like maybe 10 20 years later, you know. Yeah. Like he's that kind of guy. And I feel like I feel like Trugoy. he was he was they said it so so accurately, um, when Dave passed where he was the heartbeat of it. You know, he was mm-hmm. the laid back cool guy where it's like I feel like he he sort of held the group together and his style was more so heartfelt. It was more it was more straightforward, but he also sort of spoke in code a little bit too. So I think that's what sort of tied those two together, where it's like it's just this lattice of like inside jokes mm-hmm. and, and and iconoclastic language and things like that. And Mace, I love I love Mace because Mace is like a hardcore Brooklyn dude, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's like an old school DJ. He I think he brings that sort of for the lack of a better term, like street sensibility mm-hmm. to to the group. And I feel like he he centers the band in that sort of way where you have Poss and Dave who are, uh, you know, sort of like you said, they're blurred, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're proud of it. But then you have Mace, you know, who will kind of center them, bring them back down to earth a little bit.
3: I want to play the song The Magic Number from Three Feet High and Rising, because I would love the song because it sort of feels like it's about their friendship and their collaboration. So let's listen to The Magic Number from De La Soul. Mm -hmm.
4: Magic number. Yes it is It's the magic number
5: Somewhere in this hip hop soul community was born three makes love and me
4: and that's a magic number what does it mean? Difficult preaching is possibly pleasure. Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music and the measure. Measure in the music breaks in three parts. Casually see, but don't do like a soul. Cause seeing and doing are actions for monkeys. Doing hip hop hustle, no rock and roll. Unless your name's Brewster, cause Brewster's a punky. Parents let go cause it's magic in the air. Criticizing rap shows you're out of order. Stop looking, listen to the phrasing, Freddy Stairs. And don't get offended while May Stosi throws your daughter. A dry camera roll system is now set. Fly around the store under Daisy Productions. It stands for the inner sound, y'all.
3: Marcus, what were they doing that was different? What were they doing that was unique at this moment?
1: They made it cool to be regular, for the lack mm-hmm. of a better term. So, you know, like I was just saying not too long ago, they they provided this counterbalance in hip hop. Whereas, don't get me wrong, you know, people like L.L., Rakim, Public Enemy, um, KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions, all of that is great. I love that music, but it's, for, for a little bit, they're sort of playing this character, you know what I mean? It's like they're kind of these larger-than-life characters, whereas De La, they came with such a freedom that no one else was doing. Like, when you listen to The Magic Number, when you listen to Three Feet High and Rising as an album, it just sounds like four guys in the studio having fun. Like, mm-hmm. it, it almost sounds like a demo tape in a way, but they were throwing out all the rules of hip hop at the time, you know, and they they brought these, this sort of patchwork collage of music where this sample was layered on top of this sample. These drums sounded different. It almost kind of resembled like a funk record in that way, where it's like it felt they I feel like they brought improv mm. to a certain extent to, to de- um Excuse me, to hip hop. And um, they also brought comedy. Um, and they just, you know, Hey, you know, they even say it on the album, like, you know, take, take this off, take that off, like take off all this veneer and just be yourself. And I think that's what they taught listeners is just, Hey, you know, it's cool being you, you can be yourself and it's totally fine.
3: We're talking about De La Soul's full catalog being available for streaming. Just happened this past Friday. My guest is Marcus J. Moore. Marcus put together a little playlist for us. We'll listen to some of those tracks after the break and take more of your calls. If you want to weigh in on this conversation, the number is 212-433-9692. This is all of it. You are listening to all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. In studio with me is Marcus J. Moore, the music journalist. We are talking about the release of De La Soul's full catalog on streaming. It happened this past Friday, and we're taking your calls. Let's talk to Oren from Brooklyn. Hi, Oren. Thanks for calling in.
5: Hi. How are you?
3: Doing great.
5: Good. Well, I was just listening and I was just reflecting on when I first heard De La Soul. I was like 13 in junior high school in Los Angeles. And it was huge, and I still have some of these songs in my head. I can just, they just come out of me. And we were just doing graffiti. We were dancing to this music, making dances. And right now, when you're talking about, like, De La Soul just being regular, I think it's interesting because I was 13 years old, and I was was dancing, which was a little different. It wasn't so tough. I wasn't breakdancing. We weren't battling. But we were, I don't know, it was a special time. And... Now that I have kids and I'm 46 and I think about what they're listening to, I just think it's interesting to be an adult and still listen to this music and be 13 and be really into it. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I do. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. You know what? I want to talk to Chris, who's calling from Berlin, who has an interesting point of view and wants to put something out there. Hey, Chris, thanks for calling in.
6: Hey, thank you. Yeah, so I, I actually also wasn't break dancing, although I tried back in the <laughs> 80s, and um, I mean, for sure, I think De La Soul was a huge uh, inspiration, and I really respect him a lot. I know that one of their earliest samples um, from Three Feet High and Rising was from Bobby Duro's Schoolhouse Rocks, and I I knew Bobby pretty much all of my life, and I know that this really caused him a lot of pain and anguish, and you know, that Three is a Magic Number song Mm -hmm. from Schoolhouse Rocks that they sampled, and... And he, for years, I think, tried to fight them and to get some kind of restitution for this. Um, and at the same time, I'm kind of torn because obviously the texture of this time and of the music that people were making, it was such a creative time to take samples and, and inspiration from the world around and the music that was being made. Um, but it was, not, it was not like that in the beginning. It was a, a lot of people getting their music ripped off Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wonder if, if if anyone's mentioned that about spe- specifically about this album, and if there's been any kind of like restitution or any kind of um, you know a place where musicians could go. I mean, Bobby's yeah, passed yeah, away yeah. now, but well, I think this that is, was um, Chris. I'm going to dive. It's kind in. of an important point still. You yeah,
3: know? I'm going to dive in because I think that was part of the idea of having to go back and spend three years, right, finding out. Who the samples were and what the what the uh, financial solution was going to be, right? Am I right on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. That's no. Well, excuse me. That's actually exactly what they had to do. And and I think what happened with De La is that they sampled so much that it was almost impossible to go back comb back through and catch everything. So even when you listen to the updated version of the records that just came out on streaming this past weekend. You'll hear like differences. You're like you'll hear like on the OG version, you'll hear like a certain sample. But then on this one, you don't hear it at all. So I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know if it, that speaks directly to the restitution. But I know for a fact that they went back to try to clear everything and stuff that they couldn't clear. They either got it redone or they just took it off altogether.
3: On your list, Marcus, you have for us the song "I Am I Be." Why did you choose this one for us to listen to?
1: Ooh, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap into uh, teenage Marcus a little bit. So he has this line on there where he's talking about sort of the breakup of the Native Tongues, mm-hmm. the Native Tongues Collective, and and for those who don't know, it's um you know it was Daylight, La, mm-hmm. Queen Latifah, Monie Love, Tribe Called Quest, and uh, Jungle Brothers, and and Black Sheep. Um, And at the time, there was a rift going on between someone someone from Jungle Brothers, um, someone from Tribe, and Paz. And so there was this rift going on, and he brings it up in in the song in a way that sort of shocked people. Because from the outside looking in, we all thought everything was cool. Mm -hmm. And then we come to find out on this track that it's not.
3: Let's listen to I Am I Be from De La Soul.
2: I, I be, be I be up, I be I am be I be I am
4: 11. pasta noose, I be the new generation of slaves here to make papes to buy record exec short. rates, the pile of 11. revenue I create, but I guess I, I don't get short. a cut cause I my rents I'm on flake, 11. product of a North Carolina cat and scratch the back of a pretty woman named Hattie. Who departed life just a little too soon? It didn't see me grab the plug tune fame as we go a little something like this. Look, Ma, no protection. Now I got a daughter named Ayana Monet. And I can play the cowboy to rustle in the dough, so the scenery is healthy with her eyes late. I am an early bird, but the feathers are black, so the apples that I catch are usually all worms. But it's a must to decipher one's queen from a worm who plays boopy and spread around the bad germ. I cherish the twilight. I maximize my soul is the right side. I watch for the power to run out on the moon.
3: That's I.M.I.B. from De La Soul. Bob has tweeted to us. De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising was a big part of New York City's soundtrack in the summer of 89. Let's talk to Paolo calling in from Brazil. Hi, Paolo. Thanks for calling in.
5: Hi, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, it's my pleasure to listen to your radio show. Wonderful. Hello?
3: Yeah, you're on the air, go yeah. for it.
5: Uh, all right. uh, my name is Paulo Brown. Paulo Brown, BAU, uh, I mean, uh, the caller. I'm a radio personality in Brazil. And uh, uh, Sol came to perform in Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1999. Along with the uh, Jungle Brothers and uh, the Flash, some Brazilian, some Brazilian groups. Hello
3: Yeah, I think so. I think our, I think our connection is is not the best. Let me see if I can read with the uh, La Sol in 1989 and it was amazing. this fellow Paolo, who's a radio personality. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm sorry our connection wasn't better. Um, I, you wanted to get to stakes as high, yeah. Marcus, why did you want to get to stakes as high?
1: Well, because it was a make or break record for De La, you know, because at the time that this comes out, it's 1996 hip hop is totally different from what they um, entered into in 1988, 1989. And they had, this is the first record without Prince Paul as a producer. Mm. And so it was all on them. Honestly, it was just like, okay, well, this is a, this is a make or break. We're going to do all the beats ourselves. And also they discovered this young kid from Detroit who goes on to be this iconic producer named James Yancey, AKA J Dilla, who produces the title track. And then, he, he was already a bubbling name, but then after this, it was just like, yo, okay, who's Dilla? Mm-hmm. And then he was everywhere. So I, I always go to this record because this reminds me of high school personally. <laughs> so that's why I chose that. This is Stakes is High.
4: Stematic focal point Bringing damage to your borough. We uh-huh. some brothers from the east With them beats that be thorough Got the solar gravitation So I'm bound to pull it I gets down like brothers are found Ducking from bullets Gun control means using both hands In my land yeah. where it's all about the cautious living uh-huh. Migrating to a higher form of consequence Compliments, Compliments A struggling that shouldn't be notable Man, every word I say should be a hip-hop notable. I'm sick of just nips shaking asses I'm sick of talking about blood Sick of Versace glasses Sick of slang Sick of half-ass award shows Sick of name brand clothes. Sick of zombies, dips over bullshit tracks. <laughs> Cocaine and cracks which brings sickness to black. Sick of swole head rappers, with they sickening raps, Claps and gaps, making a whole sick world collapse. The facts are getting sick and evil. So,
3: Marcus, man. one of the interesting things about this is, like, for this is nostalgic for me and for a lot of folks. And even if some of the songs do sound different because the samples had to be re-recorded or whatever, it still feels like a, a, a moment in our lives. But for some listeners, this will be brand new. There'll be a whole new generation who get turned on to De La Soul. What do you hope younger music fans understand or listen for? when they decide to dive into the De La Catalog?
1: I hope when they dive into it, they hear the creative freedom. Um, I hope they hear three slash four guys who just wanted to make the music that they wanted to make, that you can classify as hip-hop, but it was also funk, it was also soul, it was jazz, it was Japanese hip-hop, it was everything. So I would want kids to listen to this and be like, okay, whatever crazy idea that I have, I now feel... Entitled or emboldened to do it, and that's more than anything, that's what I hope kids get from this.
3: What it's always tough to ask a writer this when do you think your book will be out oh, <laughs> on De La Soul? <laughs>
1: uh, hopefully, my publisher's not listening, probably this time next year, though. Actually, honestly, yeah, because um, I had been working on it for about three years, um, already, so it's it's pretty much close to the finish line right now.
3: Marcus J. Moore has been our guest. You listeners have been our guests as well as we celebrate the release of De La Soul's full catalog on streaming. Marcus, thanks for coming in and taking listeners' calls.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
3: Let's go out on say no, go.
4: Now let's get right on down to the skit A baby is brought into a world of piss And if we could've talked that soon in a delivery room They would've asked the nurse for a hit The reason for this? The mother is a jerk Excuse me, junkie Which brought the work of the old into a new life What a way But this what a way has been a way up today. Anyway, push couldn't shove me to understand a path to a basic Cause Schumer should've erased it in a first wave Cause second wave won believers and believers will win That.
0: What to say, mate. WNYC Studios is brought to you by ZBiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with ZBiotics Pre Alcohol Probiotic Drink. ZBiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink. Drink responsibly and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.